This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joined by two-time NCAA champion, two-time Stanley Cup winner, 17 years in the NHL, one of your favorite all-time Dallas stars. He's Craig Ludwig. How are you, buddy? I'm better than you. It only takes me one take to get going. It took you a couple <laughs> you know, this morning. I should have left that in because I think people would have I know, appreciated that. I know you should have. Yeah. Can we yeah. can we just tell everybody what you did? <laughs> <laughs> I started to flub up and uh yeah, I just threw the F bomb hard. Oh, it was hard. It was hard. <laughs> because there's so many accolades, you know? I mean, because in my mind, I'm like, why did I throw out Stanley Cup champion before NCAA champion? And then I flubbed that up. And yeah, I should have listened to you and I should have left that in. That would have been a that would have been a tremendous start to the podcast. Yeah. Anytime you say, fuck me, it's really good. <laughs> that is that is uh, that is true. All right. We got a lot of stars to talk about, but a few things. Craig played in the alumni game last Saturday. And we were excited to find out how Craig did. And he hosted a, a forum of Edmonton Oilers and Dallas Stars uh, for people there. So a great day. And uh, how did Mr. Moderator do? And then, you know, how did you do lacing them up? Uh, we were good. The I'll tell you what. We, we do a uh, little deal on these things usually when we have this uh, – alumni setup where the stars are playing an afternoon game we go on after they're finished and um but but i'd say about an hour and a half before the game starts for the dallas stars that past one was at two o'clock we do a a little round table and um <clears throat> you know we try to get uh, as many guys as we can uh from the opposing team whoever it is and then we usually get uh, well darian hatcher this year ed belfour marty turco uh, we're up there, but you know, we were, we were fortunate to have some, some hall of famers up there. Craig McTavish, uh, Kevin Lowe, Eric Cole, who had played here before Chris Joseph, who was a former number one pick overall. Um, and you know, it's funny, like I, I kind of, I introduce them and I kind of have them sit down in that order and, and then I'll kind of start and kind of finish with, you know, I usually finish with Eddie or Hatch, um, <clears throat> but you know, this year having Craig McTavish and, and Kevin Lowe, uh, I think we had sitting up there, we had like 15 or 16 Stanley Cups between the group. And <laughs> Lowe and McTavish have 10 of them. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but, but you know what? It went 
very well. And um, Ryan Mers, who's uh, the managing managing director with uh, Bank of Montreal, um, uh, you know they they have their a lot of their people there, and uh, you know, they're they're a big part of what we do. Um, but it went it went really well. And uh, you know what I say is, and and Bobby Bass and our alumni director, we were talking about it yesterday. Um, you know, it went well because these guys are, they're so accommodating with stories. And I do a lot of stuff, you know, same as anybody would, you know, just kind of leading up and getting a couple nuggets from each guy. And, um, which speaking of, of that, I was talking with Eric Cole. He's got a couple interesting stories about, you know, being traded at times and the one yep. in Dallas and, uh, you know, one other one. And I kind of left it with him and I said, man, uh, how did you guys enjoy the, uh, NHL all-star game this year? You know, because they kind of, as you know, they kind of went back to the to the original or some of the older, you know, things that they did. The, you know, hitting the targets and the fastest skater and stick handling and all this other kind of stuff. And I, you know, and, and Connor McDavid actually had what did he have a thirteen point four? I think was his yeah. his time of skating a lap. And I just said to Car- uh, to Eric, I said, well, "What did you think of that?" Because Eric Cole was a, a very powerful fast skater. Very. Said, what did you think of that? And he goes, "Man." Well, anyway, going back to when Eric Cole had played for Edmonton, of a short stint, they did, they have these days. Some teams do it. They'll have the, you know, just kind of a fun day. They'll they'll, they'll take their players on their teams and and at a practice or something like that. They'll go through the NHL uh, course. You know, all the things that they they do. Well, when they were back at the Rexall Arena, the one prior to you know what they're playing in now, Eric Cole's time of doing a lap was thirteen point one. Connor McDavid's, uh, you know, different setup is 13.4. So it, it just kind of tells you, and, and, and that was probably the biggest, Ooh, <laughs> from the people that were sitting there because everybody obviously knows Connor McDavid and how fast he is and, you know, being a dominant player in this league. And then you've got a guy sitting up there that n- not the same circumstances, different building, but you know, the buildings are the same size. So you make a lap, you make a lap. So it just kind of tells you, but once you get, uh, Craig McTavish and Kevin Lowe, who's done everything. I mean, he's won everything you can possibly win in the game, along with six Stanley Cups. Um, and they like to they like to share, so it becomes very interesting um, e- event. So it, it goes over very well. We had a good time, <clears throat> and the game game was the game, but we did lose. So that's the first time in a long time. I don't know if we've ever lost at home and, uh, which is okay because we beat the Oilers all the time in the playoffs, but at least when I was playing. So, uh, they owed us one, but, um, but anyway, you know, they, they the teams aren't 100% Dallas stars alumni and 100%, uh, Edmonton Oilers. So, Oh, there goes a the chopper. Yeah. They're probably looking for me. Um, they're, uh, <laughs> you know, what happens is that they don't have enough players and we take some of our alumni guys and, um, not current or, uh, Dallas stars guys, guys that play in our alumni and we'll sprinkle them in. You were, you were at the SMU event yep. when we played SMU. And so s- similar kind of thing. We have some, some guys that are, you know, good hockey players that skate with us at times. And, and so we just kind of spread them out. Eric played parts of three seasons with the stars, 2012, 2012- 2012 to 2015, I remember watching him, and I loved his game. I loved that he had that perfect combination. He was a power forward, but he had great speed. Um, And then he got traded to Detroit, and that was the trade that brought us Matthias Yanmark. So kind of of interesting, Matthias Yanmark and a second-round pick. 
Um, but yeah, I always liked Eric Cole's game. A lot of years in Carolina, Montreal. Um, so that's uh that's cool that uh, you know it was a, it was a, it was a good game. And then the other night, we had a dinner as part of Jared Sandler's Sandlot charity. They auctioned it was a off. D- hey, let's call it what it is. It's a Dean Martin roast. If people aren't <laughs> familiar with Dean Martin roast, you need to go back and look at him. And so I become Dean Martin, and and the the people that you know roast get up there on yes. you know and they take shots at him and our roasty is gavin spittle yes yes it's three hours of me just like spinning around some <laughs> little it. pig on a roast where i just sit and i take it and absolutely so thanks to i guess no thanks so the backstory was is that i was i wanted to bid on this because i wanted it so that I wouldn't get roasted and it would just be me and Craig at dinner or I'd just tell Craig, take the night off and I'd get a free dinner to myself and I'd find someone else to go with. But unfortunately, Big E outbid me. But you got to admit, by this whole dinner is really catering to you. I mean, it, so we go to this really, really nice restaurant, Musume, and it's, you know, basically Beautiful. sushi and they've got everything, but sushi is there you know, their, their go-to. Right. And so all the plates come out and it's an unbelievable display of everything you can imagine. Amazing. And what, what were there? Seven of us, six of us, something like that. But, but then we have to have special plates. We have to have special food and it can't be this and it can't be that. And the poor waiter has got to describe everything different for Gavin so he can have his specialty food because mm-hmm. he's this and he's that and and he has to have a special sake and so it really does become the gavin show for a while listen listen as a fellow athlete craig you can understand your body breaks down <laughs> and so with my years of tennis my body broke down and so therefore i have to i had to go on a different nutrition plan and it has uh, given me a lot of relief Mm-hmm. Former athlete, the, the, the former grade school tennis player, is now considers himself a former athlete. Twenty eighteen Hall of Fame. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I I lobbied for myself, but yeah, I got in. So there you go. Yeah. All right. So that was a good dinner, and that was really cool. And I did want to talk about one of the stories that came out because you know what I love about the Craig Ludwig dinners is stories just start flying. And one of the stories was Pat Burns was a former coach of yours. And that people that don't know, Pat was a coach for the Canadians. He coached for the Bruins. I believe he coached for the Maple Leafs as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Pat Burns was a former police officer and then became a head coach. So he had the means, right, Craig, to make sure that you guys were behaving (laughs) well they're not necessarily to make sure that we're behaving i mean it it is about hockey it's about your game it's about the team um you know so i wouldn't say it's necessarily about about that kind of stuff but yeah bernsey was the perfect coach for for us at that time in Montreal. And by the way, he did. He also, he was in Jersey also. Um, Jersey, Boston, yeah. Toronto. Really Montreal. good coach. 
Um, but anyway, you, f- you forget the city where he wins the Stanley Cup. In. Um, <laughs> so good point. When when Bernsey would have meetings, and I can't speak for all the other players, I, I was just telling the guys. I mean, my meetings with Bernsey and and um, being a former police officer for something like seventeen or eighteen years, I believe, in Montreal, you can imagine the connections that they have. Um, you know, between undercover guys and 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 regular people and restaurants and bars and everything you name it. Um, <clears throat> he had a handle on everything that we did on and off the ice, and probably for him, more importantly, off the ice, and I would say importantly for us too. And so <clears throat> there were times when um and there was a particular playoff game. Uh, he called me in, and I, 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 if I remember right, we won the game, and I, I was okay in the game. And you know, you you get the little poke of a head in after after you're all sitting there after a playoff game, and, and the coach says, "Hey, come on into my office," and that's never really a good thing. <clears throat> so I um uh go in, he sit down, sit down, and talk for a minute or two, and he goes, "Well, how, how do you think you know your game was tonight?" And you tell him, and you know, not bad. You don't ever kind of go over the top. And you don't try to undersell yourself like that. And and then he goes, um, "What did you do last night? Like the night before the game?" And I said, "Well," and he goes, "No, what'd you do?" And and I, you know, I I knew that you know they know a lot, and so I just said I was I was at this place and I was at that place. And he goes, "You making it for curfew?" And I said, "Well, technically, I wasn't home for curfew, but." Um, you know, I was out of the establishment that I was in by curfew, which doesn't mean you're in for curfew. And he proceeded to tell me exactly what time I left there, how many Molson Goldens I had. And, um, and then he also said, what about Peter? And I was with uh, a former player of mine and he was also a defenseman and Peter Svoboda. Um, and, and he said, yeah. Uh, because I, Peter, what now that I, I'm telling the story wrong, but Peter was in there with me. And so we were in there talking about it. Well, so he decided to rattle off how many packets of DeMaurier cigarettes Peter ordered or, or bought while we were there. Um, you know, so that was, it's an eye opener when all that kind of stuff happens, but what it, what it is, is he's, he also knows now going back and, and, and then moving forward after the days when you're there and you talk about these stories, he knew that we would probably tell this guy and that guy and this guy, and then it would spread through the locker room. And at the end of the day, what it does, it's like, man, these guys got, he's got eyes in the city. And, you know, that was his way of letting us know, um, we know where you are. And, um, and he ended the meeting with me. It wasn't much of a meeting. I mean, everything was good. We won the playoff game and he goes, he goes, okay. And we, we kind of got up to walk out and he just says, Hey, Luds. And he looked at me and I said, yeah, coach. And he goes, do it again tomorrow night. <laughs> In other <laughs> words, go back out tomorrow night, do the same thing that you did because he had a good game. And and that was the kind of guy that he was. There was another playoff game. Went in there. Um, I, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if it was a playoff game or not, but it could have been a regular game. He, he Same thing. Motioned me in, sat down, had the TV sit in front of him, pops in a tape, and which usually means that you're going to watch your shifts and all this other kind of stuff. And so he just starts looking at it and he's smiling. I'm going, well, this probably isn't going to be a bad meeting. And um, he turns, he turns the monitor around and it's him water skiing. 
<laughs> and, and he knew that I had a water ski school uh, in the summer when I go back to Wisconsin. A friend and I, you know, we had a water ski school that we did for two, three months and taught kids how to ski and all that kind of stuff. And so anyway, that that was the kind of coach that he was. And, and I just think that once you get to know the personality and and who they are, as importantly as they need to know who players are <clears throat> on and off the ice, you you seem to well at least I did I I appreciate the job that he had to do in a city like Montreal, but then when you know because they they give you shit when they have to give you shit, and it's a job they have to do, and you can't take it personally, and you know when it's coming from a guy like that, it's deserved, and and you know so so anyway I I I think I've tried to do that. Um, coaching u18 guys um try to be honest with them we had a you know we had one or two kids in yesterday and same kind of thing you know you you spot things and you ask them questions and how come this is happening and you know what do you, what's going on when you're not here at the rink and and stuff like that i don't you're not it, it's not like the spanish inquisition or anything like that but you're just trying to ask some questions and see how much they open up and then then they leave and all of a sudden you can go well, now it makes sense. You know, this is why he's playing this way. And, and so, um, you know, it, it's the personal side of things that, you, and again, I, there's more and more that today than there used to be. It used to be, you just come in, you get screamed at, you have a good game. It's all good. You have a bad game, you skate and, and then it's rinse and repeat. So, but Bernsey was one of the best for sure. You know, it's interesting because I think of you in today's modern social media and what would be the perception of Craig Ludwig. As compared to, because I, mean, I don't get on it. And no, I, I, know, I know, I know, but I mean, you, you won't admit this, but you were a glue guy. You were a big room guy, but you did like to have a good time as did a lot of the players. So, I mean, different time. And I bet players would have adjusted like today's players have adjusted, but at the same time, you know, you went out and everything like that. And if, if, if people see players out and about all the time, it all of a sudden turns into, they don't care. They're not playing hard enough. They should be practicing. Etc. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, you know, and it's about the team, too. I mean, you know, the teams that we had, all the teams that I've been on were really good. And, and, and that's and but what you do is, you know, there are guys that don't go out or, you know, don't go out the same amount that that you may go out. And you just you don't try to drag them along. You, you learn that early. And, you know, if if we go out five days a week, they may go out one and that's okay. And it doesn't mean that they're, they're not part of the team because it's really at the end of the day, it's more important what you're doing for the three hours that you're between the doors and, and between the rink and there, the locker room and the ice that that's the important part. It really doesn't matter what happens off the ice as far as uh, being a teammate. I mean, you try to include everybody and you know, if there's things that you can tell something isn't going well with a player, then you want to go out and have a beer and let's talk about it. If you can't talk to coach, let's, you know, because we are a family. That's the only way that you win those kind of things. You can't be a bunch of individuals. And so, um, yeah, I mean, we, like I said, it's just, it was a different time and we've talked about this a lot. Um, 
but but when you spend this much time um with each other you have to find things that you have in common and you have to find ways if there is a little bit of a a riff between a couple guys you got to figure it out because you know you can't have that that stuff in the locker room that's why i was a guy i mean for me personally i the 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 rule of thumb for a period of time was you either live by the airport or you live by the practice ring because those are the two places you spend the most time at you know you're going to the airport all the time you're traveling you're getting on a plane and all this other stuff or you're at the practice ring you know and in the game a lot of you know now there are a few rinks where you actually practice there but because of concerts and all that kind of stuff you have your own rink and it could be 15, 20 miles away, but you spend more time there than you do driving downtown, for instance, at American Airlines. So I don't know where the guys live now, but but that was kind of the rule of thumb. But I never lived by either one of them. I always tried. I found out where, you know, most of the guys are living and I live someplace else because I was just the kind of guy I had friends outside of teammates and you know, but, but there were, you know, four or five of us that were rolled together all the time. And regardless of where you lived, um, it was just a little further drive home for some guys, depending on where we'd go. But, but I just, I, I wasn't one that wanted to, when, when you come off the road for, you know, four or five game road trip and you've been gone for six, seven days or what it may be, I don't want to wake up in the morning. And when I open up the door, you know, there's Matt for Chucker Hatcher getting in his car, you know, right next door. That just wasn't me. Yeah. But a lot of those guys all lived next to each other, but I had friends outside of, of, of the, of the teammates. So the other aspect we were talking about was the call up of Logan Stankoven. And we mentioned at dinner, the trade of Joe Newendike for Jerome Ginla. And I had forgotten and so I went back and did some research, knowing that we'd talk. Because I had asked Craig, as a player, do you know about these prospects coming through your system? And Craig, you had answered that, no, we, you know, the current guys in the room are the current guys in the room. Um, with modern technology, I just wondered maybe does that change? But that was a holdout by Joe Newendike in Calgary. And he held out until December. And when he was traded, the Stars immediately signed him to a deal. So Jerome Ginla was drafted that year. So the Stars, it, it was a little different scenario where Stankoven has been in a training camp uh, with the Stars. So, you know, there have been a couple of years where he was part of the organization. So that's that's the difference as far as the familiarity with Ginla to Stankoven. But you said regardless, Craig, you know, you guys don't really pay attention to prospects coming through the system, right? Well, I don't. Uh, I mean, again, when you think about it, if they're not picked in the, again, today's different than, you know, back in the day, but, but if you're not selected and being anywhere between first overall to 10th overall, you know, there, I don't think there was a, there was never a really big threat that you're going to even play with those players, you know, because you never know if you're going to be around for two years, five years, 10 years. And so you don't really worry about it because at least, you know, the systems that I came in and in Montreal, especially when I started you, for the most part, everybody did their time, you know, they did, they did, they did their time in the minors. And so unless they were, you know, that rare player that could step right in at 18 years old or 20 years old, whatever it may be in play. And, and so they, 
you know, they went to the minors for, so you'd really, and I didn't, I've never didn't, couldn't even tell you the score of one of their games. Cause it was for me, I had to just worry about my thing. I wasn't worried about anything that I had no control over. And so I didn't have a clue what, what the minor league team scores were, if they were in first place or last place, I had no idea if the third round pick number 72nd overall defenseman, what he was playing like, I had no idea. So, um, and like you say, modern technology, now everything's out there. So it's almost hard not to know something for these guys. And these guys here live on their phones. You know, like I said, I don't, when you bring up the whole social media thing, I, I don't, for the most part, I don't ever say anything because typically, and I, I've gotten a little bit better. Like if I'm going to, if I'm going to tweet something out there, I don't tweet it right away. I have in the past and, you know, Kim will give me shit about it, but, but, <laughs> but I kind of sit there and go, no, yeah. I no, just, no, don't word. No, don't do that. And then it always, uh, usually it ends up, no, just don't do it. I'll read stuff, but, but I don't, I don't interact because I'll, I'll probably lose, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll say something at the wrong time and it's probably, you know, and again, today, everything you say today seems to be the wrong time and place. So yeah. it's just better for me to, to, to lay off that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So one thing that I don't know if you ever think like back in the day, but the other th- aspect I was thinking of after dinner the other night was, you know, guys like Wyatt Johnston, Connor McDavid, you know, obviously high draft picks, but then guys, it's very rare for guys. We talk about Stankoven. He went into the, you know, down to the AHL. Maverick Bork is lighting up the AHL, but had a, a slow first half and really learn the game uh, with the Texas Stars, and he's ready to come up as well. And I was just amazed because I think back, and I said, boy, I'm going to ask Craig this. Were you surprised that you went straight from the NCAA into the NHL? Because, you know, Kale McCarr did it, UMass, straight in, but Jake Ottinger had to go through the minors. You know, the majority of players will have to go through some kind of minor league system but were you surprised on a team like Montreal that you just all of a sudden have you ever looked back and said, "Wow, I, I can't believe that happened"? Uh, I don't, I don't do that because I, 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 I think at the time I was just a day to day guy. I never really looked back. I didn't look forward. I, I tried to, you know, get to the rink, do what I was supposed to do for that day, practice, and then the game. Do what you're supposed to do. And then if a phone call came at night or in the morning saying you're getting sent down, then you get sent down. I, I, I mean, cause I went, I mean, when I left school to go there, I was, I was completely 100% that I was going to the minor league team. I never expected to start in Montreal first off, never, never expected it. So I was prepared. I was ready um, to go. And, uh, whenever, and then, you know, you, <clears throat> you get through the first cut and the second cut and back then training camps are not like now where there's three days and you play an exhibition game. You, you're there yeah. for two weeks and, you know, and you kind of get integrated into the players. And, but we had, again, I, it's probably where, where my, everything comes from me as far as when I was a player, um, with teammates, as you get older, like you make sure that the young guys are, are taken care of and. You know, if they can't find their way around, they're looking for this. You let them know where to go. You take them there, that kind of stuff. Because that's what these guys did with me. And I'm talking about Hall of Famers like Bob Ganey and Larry Robinson and Guy Lafleur and Steve Shutt and guys like that. 
that were, you know, hey, let's come on. We'll take you over there. You need a TV? I'll take you to this guy. You want you guys want a bed? I'll take you there. What do you want? What kind of beer do you drink? I'll take you there. So, <clears throat> you know, and what happens is you just, you keep your mouth shut and you don't say it. As a matter of fact, Chris Nyland, one of the toughest guys to ever play in the NHL, um, and to this day, he calls me the same thing. He called me Gabby. That was my nickname in the locker room was Gabby at the time because I never said a word. I didn't, I didn't talk. I just kept my mouth shut. I did my job and, you know, and that was my first, I don't know, couple of years, two, three years. And then, and then you get, you know, I, I had Bob Ganey one time. He just, and it's probably my second or third year. I don't remember what else. And, and Bob was always teaching. Uh, you know, Bob was a Hall of Famer and the, the Selkie. I mean, basically invented the award for him as the best defensive um, forward in the NHL. Um, Carbo's won it like three times and let's. And so anyways, um, Ganey grabbed me one day and he just kind of said, and I, we were probably sitting in a you know bar after practice or whatever and having a beer and a sandwich and whatever. And he goes, how come you never say nothing? And I was like, huh? And I'm thinking, Dude, I'm like my second or third year, and we got I'm sitting in the room with seven Hall of Famers for the Montreal Canadiens. Nobody would say nothing. And he goes, but I he I think Bob was always like I said, he was always coaching, always teaching, and he sees things in players. And he goes, Why don't you ever say anything? And I I kind of said, Well, there's a lot of big voices in here. And he goes, I don't think that's what it is. And and Bob was Bob could be hard to talk to because he thinks about things before he says them. And there's, there's that pregnant pause and, and you're going, Oh man, I said the wrong thing. And he goes, I don't think that's what it is. And I said, Oh, okay. And he goes, I think it's because you're afraid. And I was like, I'm not afraid. He goes, no, you're afraid to say something. He goes, because when you say something now you become, and you have to be accountable. So if you want somebody to finish their check or pucks need to get in, then you have to make sure you do it all the time. And I was like, no, that's not the truth. I didn't say that out loud, but I said that to myself. I'm like, this guy's wrong. I mean, I'm, you know, so anyway, it was his way of probably bringing me out of my shell and making sure that I did start to speak a little bit more in the room, you know, because it was more penalty killing things and whether it was blocking shots or finishing your checks or getting to the right opponent and getting to that guy and making it uncomfortable for the night. And, and if somebody else didn't do it, that was supposed to do it, or that was supposed to be part of doing it, let them know, because that's what we do. You know, we're family here and we'll get, we'll get, we'll get through the good stuff and the bad stuff, but we all have to be on the same page. And, and so that's why I said I, and then I probably started to talk a little bit more. And then I probably became a little bit more of the group. And it was never like they didn't invite you to everything that they did. But, you know, you're again, I, like I said, I didn't plan on being there um, right off the bat. Um, so uh, there was just you can tell that when you're in those kind of rooms with those kind of players. I mean, you could have a monkey come in and coach. And as a matter of fact, we did one time and we won a couple of them. So but but the players really ran the room. And are the leaders, I would say, ran the room. And when certain coaches would come in and give their, you know, a, a talk that, you know, they needed to give at that time, but they didn't say the right teams, they would, you know, the doors would be closed as soon as they walk out and go, no, no just don't forget that. We know what we're doing here. We know how to do it. And we'll, you know, we know what our goal is and we know that we need this guy, this guy, this guy. So I kind of learned that stuff when I got there 
early. And, and so, um, anyway, that, that's kind of way it worked with me, but as far as, you know, I, I, you know, then you start getting into your third and your fourth year and, you know, you're becoming a bigger part of the team. And then you, then I think that thought of, you know, getting sent down, not that guys can't get sent down in their third, fourth, fifth year, because it happens, you know, not all the time, but it happens. But I just, I, I tell players all the time when the way that I played, I felt that when I played game four or game 54, my objective was to play that game. So when I walk into the, the room tomorrow morning for practice and, um, and you know, your names are on the board, who you're going to play with, or you, you have Jersey color, but my objective was to have my name on that board the next day. And I played that way game 200 game 500 game 1200 I approached it that you know I was not I was not one of those kind of players like you're not taking Rupe Hints out of the lineup or you're not taking Miro out of the lineup because he had three bad games my where I played and how you know what I my role if I had two three four shitty games in a row absolutely they could take me out I knew that I knew that when I was in college, I learned that in college. And, um, and so I just played for, you know, that game and did enough that I felt like I was good enough. And I did what I was supposed to, to have my name on, on the sheet to play the next game. That was kind of how I approached every game that same way from day one to, you know, day 1200 and whatever I played. Can I take a guess at the monkey? Uh, sure. Want, well, that's you because sure? you're sitting there. It's it's pretty simple to figure it out. <laughs> you know it's not going to be Ken Hitchcock, and now you've gone through Hockey DB, be and you're going to come up with what's the name? <laughs> Jean Perron. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Why you got to call me out? Why can't you just give me credit for hockey knowledge? Because I know. Because you're sitting there. I can hear. I can hear the keyboard. Going, <laughs> you're typing. Man, I'm trying to I'm trying to build some like you know hockey. It's process swag of elimination. When I say we won it with a Stanley Cup guy, and you know how I feel about Ken Hitchcock, so I'll yeah, cross that one off. The I list. did. Let's go back to 1986. <laughs> Who was the coach? Craig's giving this great answer. I'm on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I was trying to improve my hockey swag. Okay. So what's going on with your Dallas Stars? Tell yes. me that. Yes. So. A couple of things that I wanted to focus on. <laughs> oh, we're gonna are we gonna talk about the hockey team? You know, you know. Here's the thing. I'm gonna be real honest here. Is that oh. you know we no we produce a lot of shows and honestly the stuff you're giving is stuff that I think a lot of stars fans haven't heard and the behind the scenes stuff about a rookie coming into the room or people in the minors. I mean, I know it's not the current Dallas Stars, but we do a lot of hardcore stars talk. But I think this is valuable to stars fans. So I like coming, you know, hearing the stories. And because that basically we're taking them into the room, Craig. So that's why I like to ask you about these things. Um, oh. But we'll get into some X's and O's. Like, for instance, clearly there's some struggles. You just mentioned Rope Hints. Five on five with that first line of Robertson, Hints, Pavelski. I don't even know if we call it the first line anymore. But it's just not clicking right now. I talked about it on Spits and Suds the other night after the game. Um, just not happening as far as the goals. And, uh, you know, the points just aren't there either. Well, uh, but 
they've been together forever. Yeah. Right. I mean, <clears throat> that this is this that's coaching. That that's what happens when things aren't um <clears throat> clicking. It, it, and you know what? Times there are times when they need to be apart from each other. And what is it? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And you know, so you, you there's times when you got to change things up. I mean, it gets stale. I mean, we do with our guy. I mean, Addie and I sit in the locker room every day with our group and go, oh, man, what are we going to do with our line today? You know, so, um, but anyway, there's just, the, I would I would probably venture to say that, you know, you're going to see Robo and Hans and Paths will be back together with 10 games to go in the regular season. I mean, it's been their bread and butter for how many years since Paths been here, since, since Hans and Robo have become what they are. But there's times when you got to split them up, and and you know it's nice to, it's nice to I think coaches need to experiment with things like that during the course of the year, um, because you get into a playoff round and all of a sudden you're down, you know, by a couple games in the playoffs and this line isn't working. You go back in your book and you go, you know what? From game we had uh, 24 games to go, and from 24 games down to 20, we put these three guys together and they were really good together. Let's switch it up right now at the end of the first period. Or the middle of the second, because this worked before. We need a little bit of a spark, <clears throat> so that that's why that's that's why it happens. I mean, nobody's panicking. There's no panic here. They shouldn't panic. I mean, they're they're in the top what five or six teams in the NHL. Yeah. And the good news for them, right now, they have the. I believe they have. There's only four teams that have a better strength of schedule to the end of the season than Dallas Stars. So. Um, now is the time you can do that. You, you know, you're, you're, you ideally you'd love to finish in, you know, the spot where you're going to get the, you know, the wild card team that you want to get, but that may not happen. Um, <clears throat> you know, they, the way that Vancouver's rolling along, who knows what's going to happen, but they've just got to take care of what they can take care of. Um, and I think, I think as it is today, they may play LA. You know, if, if it finishes the way it is right now, again, I don't know. What is there, 25 games to go or something like that? 24? Something something in yeah, that it neighborhood. Yeah, would be, it would be LA. So, but I can hear the keyboard clicking right no, now. So I'm, I'm, I'm not, no, I'm not. No, no keyboard. But, <clears throat> but, and then the, the other thing I, I believe I looked at the other day, I mean, when I talk about strength of schedule, you know, they've got, they've got uh, at least 14 teams or so on the rest of their schedule that are not playoff teams. You know, which sets up really good for them. I mean, again, that's why when you talk about adjusting lines, you know, this this is not a bad time to have to do it. And whether you have to or or you're just experimenting. But then again, I look Joe Pavelski's in the last five games. He's your he's your leading time guy on the ice. Yeah. <laughs> as far as forwards go, he's at 17 minutes, even though he kind of got, you know, flipped around to a couple different lines. But, um, you know, the oldest guy on the team, as far as forwards go over the last five, six games is playing the most minutes. And then your number one defenseman is not Merrill Haskin. No, you know, it, it, it's, it's Thomas. Yeah. So yeah, Harley deserves it. I mean, he's been great. All right. So I wanted to ask you on Monday's game, because last week we talked about defensive assignments, zone versus man on man. And I'm watching and obviously I rewinded the first Bruins goal, but I'm watching real time as Bokvist is streaking down the right-hand side for the Bruins. And I'm like, oh, my God, if he gets the puck, that's a goal. And, you know, watching the replay, and it was just commented on 
uh, a couple of times that that was the second defensive shift of Polio and Petrovic. And I thought to myself, both those guys had their man. Like, I don't think it's their fault. And so I ask you, how can they, how can the stars prevent that? And am I wrong? That's the forward's responsibility, which at the time was Joe Pavelski. Right. Right. And, and that's what happens when you, we were just doing this with our group yesterday in practice and we spent 20 minutes on it coming back into your own zone and, and, and you start the drill just for instance, and guys, these guys will do this at times. I mean, you start to drill from the offensive zone. When a puck turns over, you come back into your own, own end of the rink and you have spots that you need to be. And, and there's the area that you call the house. And that's from the, from the goal crease out to the top of the circle and, and kind of draw a little box down the face-off dots and out to the top of the circle back to your net. <clears throat> and it's, it's kind of like, if you don't know where to be, be in that area because that's the most dangerous area. I'll, I'll take a, a marker and I take the face-off dots um, through the middle of the rink from one end of the rink, all the way to the other end of the rink from the offensive zone, to the defensive zone and D zone back to the offensive. Zone. And you just kind of take a swiggly line and you draw it all the way through the middle of the ice. Mm-hmm. That's the most dangerous area. Depending on what, I don't care what end you're on, you you want to keep things to the perimeter. If you can keep them to the outside, your goalie's happy about it. Angled shots, um, pick up sticks and move people. So when they come back into their zone, a lot of times what'll happen is the forwards will see, okay, well it's there's there's two opposing forwards and we have two defensemen back, so we're good, and and you know everything's fine. Well, if you're not looking around and having your head on a swivel next thing you know there's a guy blowing by you and now the numbers are in their favor and so you know it again you know you're not we're not pinning this on joe pavelski i mean he's been one of the best players he's the oldest guy in the team he does things right 99.9 percent of the time and and so but but sometimes there's just lapses and you're looking the wrong way and all of a sudden you're like where did he come from so it, and what happens is, as guys are coming back into their own zone, they they have their eyes aimed in that direction, and you can't. You have to have your head turning around. You have to look behind you, and you always have to. I I preach that you always have to expect something bad to happen, something bad, something unexpected. You have to be prepared for, and sticks on the ice, be in the good area. You don't like I said, be in those good areas of the ice, and we can sort it out from there. Would so, that be the you know, same again? Okay. That that was the thing when you play certain systems in your ring or in yeah. your own end. You know, you have to be able to think. But I mean, same- you have to be able to skate and think at the same time. Not all players can do that. Uh, obviously, you know, in the NHL, the majority of them are they're there for a reason, and that they can do that. They can play and think and skate and fly and you know make passes. But but what they're what they're so good at is they know what they're going to do before they get the puck. They don't just watch Miro Haskin and have the puck on his stick. Okay, Miro's coming behind the net. I'm watching for him. Yeah, he's coming my way, and he's. I got to get over here. They're looking around, and they know what's up ice. They know what's to the right of them, to the left of them. So when I get the puck, I know where they are. I know where I'm going to be able to go, or at least have an idea where I'm going to be able to go. That's the hardest thing to teach young players is just stop getting attracted to that puck all the time, especially when you don't have it. You have to know what's going to happen or have an idea before you before it hits your tape and know where an area of the ice is. Where's my teammate? Where's my centerman? 
Is my defenseman in a spot that I can give it to him if I need him? Or am I just going to have to chip it out and live to fight another day? So, <clears throat> Same philosophy then on when the Stars are on the power play because I think Stars fans are frustrated by the number of breakouts from the shorthanded team against them all season long. Yeah, I, but that's kind of a trend now. It, 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 it seems like there's some teams in the league that are that are gaining. For me, what it is, it's <clears throat> when you're on the power play, it's a spot you can lose momentum. You know, when when the when the four guys, what it generally comes down to is four guys are out working five. That's really what it comes down to. And you know, you're on the power play, you can't think. Well, we got the extra guys, so it should be easy for us. Yeah, it's not the way they kill anymore. You know, they're so aggressive. Um, teams can skate and, you know, things like that. And so, um, but again, it's all pre-scouting too, you know, I mean, you, and they go through this every day. They know, they know what the penalty killers are. They know who like to get up on the rush. Um, see again, I, I always talk about, and I'm, this is not an excuse. I always talk about these, these games when you get in that certain area of the season and, you know, you, you really don't know who your team is and who they're going to be, what they're like until, you know, some, you get somewhere around the 35, 40, 50 game mark. And now you can kind of see you are who you are. There's going to be tweaks. You're going to get better. And then there's that point where we're a playoff team. Are we going to finish first or second or third? You know, we know where we want to finish. We know the ideal spot, but you're looking towards the playoffs too, which you never say, don't look forward. Don't look at that. Don't look. It's hard not to. Yeah. Let's get down to 10, 12 games to go. Cause now we're really getting mentally ready to play whoever, but you know, we probably going to play this team. So there's this pocket of games now and they've got 25 left or 24, whatever it is. <clears throat> so now they're, they're kind of in that window where, man, let's just get to those 10 games. You know, we know we got to, we got to keep the foot on the gas because Colorado's there, Winnipeg's there, blah, blah, blah. Um, you want to keep your foot on the gas, but it's hard sometimes. And, you know, now what, what becomes hard for them, for me is, is not the good teams, not the, because they're going to get ready for the good teams that, that they've got in their schedule, but it's the 14 teams that aren't playoff teams. And, and that'll be the coach's concern too. You know, like we got to get our game in order. And so we've got Anaheim a couple times. You know, you got San Jose two or three times. You got Arizona a couple times. Those that should be points, but it's not even so much all the time about gaining those two points. It's about how we're playing our game, how we're going to play heading into game one of the playoffs. It's just one of those things that I asked you about the other night about the two defensemen system if you can have mobile defensemen, because a lot of defensemen now can play the forward position, especially on the power play. But, you know, I mean, that's that's one of those things. That's that's kind of like an old school philosophy. Um, I just hate these, like, odd man breakouts. It's just, to me, it's like a killer. Like, the stars go on power play, and I'm like, I don't really get excited, Craig. I'm like, I'd rather see five on five, because I think all throughout the year, they've been best on five on five. Yeah, they're. I mean, well, they've got three scoring lines when everybody's healthy and running. Yeah, and the fourth line contributes just as much. They just don't have the ability to score like you know the other couple lines because they don't have those guys on there. But, um, but again, playoffs, goaltending and special teams. I mean, that's yeah, <clears throat> you know because that, that's what it comes down to. 
you know, and, and so you have to have your special teams in order. And, you know, Dallas has, has dined on a, on a very, very good power play for a few years now. And so, uh, but again, you, you pick out things when you're the opponent, you're picking out things against them. And when playoff time comes around, don't think that these guys aren't already other, other teams are starting to look at possibilities who you're going to play in the first round, you know? So if we're playing LA, LA in the neutral zone, they play, they play this system. LA does that. It's almost like a one, three, one, and you're going to see them not force hard. A lot of times when you forecheck and they're going to have one, if you're breaking out of your zone, there's going to be one forward sitting around the blue line. There's going to be three forwards right around the red line as a center line. And then they're going to have one defenseman already waiting inside the defensive zone. They force you to dump the puck in. That defenseman's got a big jump on it by the time it's in. He's already down below the tops of the circles. Usually it's Drew Doughty. He gets down there. He picks it up, makes a breakout pass, and they go. That's how they had the success early in the year. And it's kind of, you know, it kind of backfired on them at, at some point. Change coaches. Now they're kind of back to it. But everybody knows the systems. All these guys are sitting in there putting things together about all playoff possible teams and, and how they play when they play. I mean, there's so many details, um, you know, that, that they're going to have thrown at them. Not, not that it, it's overwhelming for them, but just the little details of the game. And then my biggest thing is, is always, you have to make adjustments. <laughs> you, you can't, because they're going to make adjustments. And like I said last year, there, there were the system that they were playing in their own zone. You can get away with that against a couple teams. And then in comes Vegas, a team like Vegas, who goes, here's what they're doing. We're going to, this is how we're going to do this. Next thing you know, a couple guys aren't where they should be. And there's a goal. So, but listen, you got, you got to go through it to get to it, you know? And, and, and I, I just believe with, with the coaching staff and, and the players and the veterans that they have now, they've learned from the things that have held them back, why they weren't at that. And, you know, they weren't having the parade in town. So they should all be better for it. And, and again, health comes into it. I mean, and you got to make sure that, you know, your best players are healthy and, um, and then, you know, they, they've had enough opportunities, right. To be able to plug in a few guys here and there. Yeah. So that when, I mean, did you expect Steele to be as good as he is? Look what happens when you give Delandria a couple, you know, three, four yep. minutes more. Yeah. You know, not that he puts it in the back of the net every time, but but he's dangerous going the other way. He you is. know, I mean, got things good happen energy. in he's the offensive zone the when he's too. on the ice. Yeah, good on the kill, too. I think he's really aggressive on the kill. I like what he does as far as, like, you know, he's got a stick out there. He breaks up a lot of plays, get in some lanes. So, you know, I, I, I like his game, and I'm glad they're playing him, and I'm I'm glad Stars fans are seeing that you know, with regular time, and I hope that stays the case because I think he's earned his way onto, you know, the ice every single time they play. Now, it'll be interesting, you know, when and if Dodonoff comes back um, and they have a full roster, what's going to happen with Delandria. But uh, the other thing is, is the future, and I know you can't think of it, but at the same time, like, this is a guy that was a first-round draft pick for you, and you do have an interesting decision do you continue to pay him as a restricted free agent or do you use that cap money elsewhere? So, you know, those are the things that I like thinking of. And, you know, I'm also thinking of the trade deadline, Craig. And I have to be honest with you, you know, playing Ottawa, a guy like Jacob Chikrin does that, you know, and I don't think Ottawa wants to deal Jacob Chikrin, but does a, let's say, a big defenseman take you over the top as far as winning the Stanley Cup? I'm not sure of that answer. Um, and and that, that's why I'm a little worried giving away 
high-valued prospects, which I think are NHL-ready. But I also look at you, and when a new Indyke walks in the room, that was a piece that took you guys over the top, right? No, for sure. <clears throat> you know, I mean, none of I don't think any of us really – I think we were shocked, uh, to be honest with you, because there was no – you know, no rumors, nothing. It just happened. And it was like, what, who, for who? And then, like you said, now you're talking about for Jerome Ginla. And would you make that same deal today? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, but as players, you, you know, you've heard of Jerome McGinley. You know yeah. where he was drafted. You know what round he went for the for the stars. But you didn't, you're like, well, geez, how do we get Noondike for this kid? Yeah. You know, how, why, why would Calgary take this kid? Well, look at what he turned into. That's why. Yeah. That's why they did All it. Hall of Famer. Yeah. And as you said, you know, there, there was contract issues going on with Nui. So, um, but that, that was, and, I, and you're not going to say that that was the piece because Ganey was making moves prior to that. You know, you, you, you bring in obviously Holly, Noondike, Zuby. I mean, look at Daryl Sador. Like, look at the pieces, Sean Chambers, guys that you wouldn't, you know, they're not your household name, but talk about playing big roles, whether they whether they were, you know, 26 minute a night or 14 a night. So, you know, that that's all part of it. And yep. and that's why I mean, aren't aren't we sitting here today with with the general manager that was general manager of the year? Yeah, absolutely. Year? And you look at the moves he made last year for not giving up much, Dennis Gurianov for Dodonov, and then a, I think it was a second round pick for Max Domi. Um, so and both contributed, and both were really good in the playoffs. I thought so. Um, interesting to see what kind of pieces they bring in at the trade deadline, and what they protect. They do have a first round pick to give if they need this year, and it seems as though for a premium defenseman, you have to give that first round pick because. You know, for everyone that wants a Chris Tanif, understand there are five other teams that want Chris Tanif, maybe more. So, yeah, and that and that's what do you mortgage your future? Exactly. You know, and 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 again, I I think I and again I have no knowledge, but I'm probably sitting there. Tom Gallardi may go. Do we believe that we can? We're going to be one of the top four teams that have the opportunity to win the Stanley Cup this year. Yeah, I would say yes. Then I would say. If it's Tanev, what do we have available? You know, what do they want? But again, Calgary knows that too, right? Absolutely. So they're going to say, well, you know, we 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 got three other teams here. We got three other teams. Here's yeah. what they're offering. They're yeah. offering a first. They're offering this. That's for for a 36 year old. Really? Well, that's what the price is. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 here to take care of my team. I'm not here to win a Stanley Cup for you guys. Yeah. You know, so. That that's where it comes down to, and and I would say don't think that they don't have their boards in their offices, uh, a briefcase full of papers with notes and players and draft picks all over them. Going okay, this because again we you know we talk about well and we got to include Matt Deshane in there, but you you talk about Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan, I mean especially those two guys, you know they're Joel Pavelski. You know, we're not going to have these guys at the top of their game. Not, and I'm not saying they're at the top, top of their game, but for another three, four years. So is this our window right now? I would say that I thought their window was two, three years ago, to be honest with you. But but the way that they're playing, you know, you have to you have to say they're contenders. Yeah. And and so 
the the conversations will probably go with you know their their staff and then i would guess that when it's something to a certain level you call your your owner um i do not know how involved uh mr Gillardy is as far as you know okay let's pull the trigger on it i want to do this or no i don't want to do that i i think when it if it if it involves money then that's probably more of an important phone call generally but but that's why they pay those guys to do their job. And as far as I know, you know, Mr. Gillardi lets guys do their job. And it's not that, not that guy that's, you know, calling every week and saying, man, I want to get this guy. I want this guy. So, yep. um, and, and really, like I said, you've, I think you've got to trust what Jim has done because he's, you know, he's kept this team um, hovering near the top of the league for a few years. Um, they, they've been knocking on the door. I, I just think that, you know, again, we know Jake Ottinger's a, a good goalie, right? I mean, he when he's on his game, he's yep. one of the top three, four, five, whatever, yep. wherever you want to put him in the league. He's got he's got to have his game in order heading into the game one of the playoffs. That, that's for me where it is. Yeah, we're out of time, unfortunately, sir. Thank God. Oh come on! This was just this hour of just smooth conversation <laughs> and chemistry. Yeah, it's been a slice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Quick, now, uh, now I I had. I had Jesus, you know, you have no idea how much I my my show I've missed now, you know. So I mean I'm sitting here. I had Who Wants to Be a Millionaire recorded. My recording stops after 30 minutes. I'm sorry. And see, I, I pause it all the time when a question comes up that I don't know, and then I ask Google. So I ask Google, I get the answer, so I'm always right. I'm like, oh man, how did that guy not know that? Well, I'm almost, I'm almost, uh, it's almost running out of time for All right. well, that one. Get, get to your TV program, sir. And a uh, big shout out once again to Biggie and Elaine and Tom were the others and our server Harold and Musume. Harold's a rock star. Harold's a rock star. Musume, uh, people spent money to spend an evening with Craig um, and myself, more Craig. And um, the Sandlot Charity is an amazing organization. Um, thousands of dollars are donated uh, basically to to allow kids um, that don't have the same opportunity because they don't have the same physical or mental capabilities to play in sports just like everyone else. And when you watch the results of the Sandlot Charity, it truly is special. So thank you, Craig, for contributing your time to that. I appreciate it. And thank you for contributing your time to here. I know this is less important, but appreciate that, sir. Have a good week, and we will talk to you soon. Till next time. Later. <laughs> Till next time. Go back to who who wants to be a millionaire. For Craig Ludwig, I'm Gavin Spittle. Thank well, I'm you, already sir. on deal or no deal now. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Jesus. Let the guy wrap up. Match For, game. Deal or no deal, then match game. Are you trying to wrap up? Yeah, wrap up. yeah, yeah. Trying to do the official radio wrap up like that, you know? All right, let's just end well, the program. Just so you know, after match game is America says. Oh, my God. But I'll be on my way to the ring. Are you going to wrap this show up? I'm wrapping it up. I'm wrapping wrap it, up. it up. Thanks for listening to Spits and Suds 105 through the fan. Have a great day, everyone.